All right, welcome in to Vision Pros Live. With Jackson Callum, I'm your show host. We will be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guests, guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. Ultimately, I just want to go through some of the things that might help you with your vision. If you have a vision that you're pursuing, drop a link in the comments and let us know what that is. If that's a business or a brand, um, if it's a nonprofit that you run, be happy to promote it, be happy to talk to you about it. And if you'd like to apply to be on Vision Pros and be interviewed about that vision, then by all means, feel free to reach out. How are you? How's your day going? Pretty good. You know, how about how about yours? Fantastic. I'm just chatting over your response to my question and my response to yours. Uh, just to give us context to reflect back on, I, I really liked sure. your response a lot. I've had a few, oh, probably not. I've had about 150 responses um, from people on it. And it's been awesome to see the the vast, really the versatility of responses of different leaders. And it's mm -hmm. been eye-opening. Um, like I've learned a lot through the process. I mean, that's all I can say. I just learned a lot and it's been it's been really cool to learn so much. Where are you based out of? Um I'm okay. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Where are you? Is it snowing right now or is it no? It's it is gonna the mountains are gonna get slammed tonight about 10 to 12 inches, but down Woo! in the city we won't we won't see. We'll we'll have rain. We'll be fine. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I'm in uh just oh, fantastic. So have you been down here? Mm-hmm. My husband's from. Oh, that's my and home. That's right. My in-laws are all in. Yeah. So. Okay, cool. I got a sister up there as well. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I definitely want to explore this topic a bit further. I'm going to just reread your response to give myself full, pro full proper context again. Okay. Uh, and then, and then what I said from there. Um, and then we can dive in on that. I'm not in a work culture, so I can't really speak to this. I would say I'm working with clients at toxic positivity. They need to appear outwardly positive when feeling otherwise has increased and that pressure can create hopelessness. I, I was just talking about this yesterday um, with somebody uh, that brought it up. I think there's a space to acknowledge the more challenging feelings and to use empathy to fulcrum into a more positive and healthy workplace. It just takes effort and focus on behalf of leadership, and they are often barely keeping above water with change management. I believe that slowing down is sometimes the best way to speed up overall, and often that slowdown is seen as failure or is approached with fear, unfortunately. So your thoughts on hopelessness and empathy are piercing. Would you be up for either the meeting? I would greatly appreciate it. I know my audience benefit tremendously from unpacking this. Um, yes. So thank you for letting me just get this deeper into my heart and mind. And yeah, I don't think they're aware of where to help. So you you said something interesting to start off. Um, you said I'm not in a work culture. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, I'm I'm a I'm what I call a slasher, right? I'm a <laughs> I'm a creative and a consultant, and so uh -huh. I don't go to a work culture every day. I don't go, um, and, and even beyond that, because I now I know now with every with people working remotely, not everybody is going to a work culture. But I don't really answer to. Um, to staff or leadership in the same way that someone who is a part of a company culture does. Uh -huh. And so in that there's, <clears throat> there's a great 
you know, there's great space for being able to sort of have the outside, you know, Hawkeye looking in. And then there's also a, I, you know, I don't understand entirely what that uh, may look or feel for, for many, except for those who I work with, who I talk to and help okay. out as a consultant. So I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, why do you do what you do? What's your why? What is my why? <laughs> it's funny because it depends on which part of me. I'm such a, I'm so segmented as a creative. I'm a storyteller. I'm a director and producer um, of content. And in that space, I, I believe story changes lives. I think we are in a society now more than ever where we are constantly told to keep moving forward, keep being productive, keep doing the things. And it is some in some ways shut down our capacity for uh, feeling um and uh and so i i think we as uh, we feel through story so it's okay to go to a movie and cry or laugh or do those things but it may not be as okay to do that um in a in our work or home lives in in the same way so i believe we i through storytelling that i can um you know, just provide a salve to the soul. And it makes me, I, I don't know what else to do. Like I, it is the thing that I'm called to. And then you flip that and you talk about, you know, my company and my consulting work and what, you know, we use improv as I, I work in applied improv. So we use improv as a modality to essentially get people connected in the workplace and having more productive conversations and being able to be vulnerable and um, use empathy and, um, and, you know, be real and authentic in the moment and, um, and get to know one another so that we can create trust and give and take and um, respect in the works in the workplace. And I, and even though there are sort of different sides of the coin, they are very much still, you know, um, connected in that through line of, of just being humans with one another and, and remembering that we're humans and remembering we're all doing our best and trying to connect people in those ways. Do you so see I that think, there's a growing need for what you do in the market? I think so. I mean, here's the hard part about it. I think there is a growing need. I think there's been a need for it for decades. I don't always think that leadership um, sees it that way. And I don't know if they always see that it will help things grow. It's, you know, what we do, especially when I'm in as a, in as a consultant, we laugh a lot. I mean, like my entire, when I'm work in a workshop or I'm working with people, we're laughing the whole time. And I think there's a fear that if you're laughing, you're not learning. And I would offer the opposite, the complete opposite that I think we learn the most when we're uncomfortable, when we're laughing. And, you know, also sometimes when you're in, you know, in the boat and it's sinking together, but we, that's not the kind of learning we want to do. <laughs> like, that's not the fun part of it. And like, that's the trauma part of it. But I would argue that, you know, I've got people who will approach me years after taking one workshop with me and say, I still do the thing. I still do mm. that thing that I learned. And I think it's because we laugh together and it's a key component of what we do. And, and it doesn't mean that we don't, um, you know, absolutely identify goals and talk through things and make sure we're achieving those things. But it is done in a space of absolute fun and laughter and setting people a little bit off course off of what they're, you know, when you're when you're a little bit off center, I think you discover a lot about yourself. And by the way, leaders discover a ton about their teams 
when they watch them work through something that might be a little uncomfortable. And we learn a lot about how those teams function um, and how we can support them better that way. I'm certain that the, uh, I probably shouldn't have used that word. Um, I don't want to lead, but how much does the type of laughter weigh into your exercises? And do you know what I mean by that? Or do you want me to clarify? I want you to clarify. Okay. Yeah. Um, I imagine just based on what I've learned about you and the empathy factor that we're not talking about laughter based on cynicism. Oh, right. No. Based on, on cruel roasting, no. uh, the type of laughter that so many seek um, in this world. Yeah. So no. Talk to me about the type of laughter you mean um, when you mean you're drawing laughter. I have a feeling it draws celebration and inspiration. Yeah. It's a connective laughter. Like, you know, comedy is often um, I write, I'm a comedy writer. That's what I do. And so, and comedy is often comes out of those places where we see ourselves in the situation that's happening before us. So, you know, the first thing to do with a company is to create trust and, and then, and then create this idea that we have to fail. Like you're not innovating unless you're failing. So we have to fail in one of, in front of one another. We have to do it just what I call struggle joyfully. Struggling joyfully wow. is a very different space to be in than when you're struggling um, in, for real. And, um, and that is all culture based, right? Like, are we, do we feel safe to say something that maybe is kind of a crazy idea, but we want to see how it hits? Do we feel safe to have something that doesn't work, but let somebody else pick up that ball and make it better? Um, do we, can we laugh together because you know, like we'll, we'll do an exercise called alphabet and it's literally the alphabet, but almost every time someone will not do the right letter. Right. Hmm. And, and we at the end and we all sort of laugh and I go, now is someone going to point the finger and be like, you didn't know the alphabet. And like, no, like, it's just, we're going to so much about where improv comes from and what we do in that space of creating joy is there's a problem. Let's fix it. Let's all rush in and help fix this together as opposed to there is a problem. It was you, you caused it, go sit in the corner and we're going to shame you about it. It's not that we're all in the same boat. Like let's fix it and let's set each other up for success. So that in that space of something going awry or there become being laughter bu bubbling up that we all can come and play in that space. And um, I'm a big proponent of play. Like as adults, we don't play. I don't play enough. I need to play more. We all need to play. <laughs> yes. You know? I love so. it. I love it. All right. So I, I obviously um, asked you for a meeting, um, but what was, uh, what was the real goal? Why, why, why did you choose to show up and honor my request? Uh, Cause I see a lot of people in pain, right? I actually don't know. It was a feeling. Uh, it was intuition. I follow my intuition a lot. I feel very strongly about that. And I don't always know why I say yes to things or not. And I, and I say no to lots of things, <laughs> um, but I, people are hurting right now. And, um, and I think we're doing a disservice by not allowing them to share that in spaces. And there's, you know, just cause someone says, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm sad. I'm whatever. It doesn't mean that everything's collapsing and we can't do business. And it's not, you know, we, as a, we are going through a lot of different reckonings, um, as a culture, uh, both in this country and worldwide, we've have collective trauma that we are not talking about. And I 
and I, you know, you see it, like you see people's um, behind their eyes have sort of shut down a bit. And, um, and I think there's this just great need for saying, can we do things differently? Can we shake up the status quo and, and approach our life? You know, I used to always say like, I want to design my life, not my career. My career is a part of my life, but I want to design my life. I want to be able to stay home with my kids. I want to be able to do these things. And I think that's in, in this culture, I think sometimes that can be hard to say, I really want to design my life first because your company wants you to be a big part of that life. But I, I think if we could take a step back and realize what people are aching for and the authenticity and the connection they're seeking from their work, that we would um, create spaces where things are move faster, are more efficient, better. I mean, talk about the proof, I mean, there's studies around empathy that say if you share empathy, doctors are, I, I, I was a consultant for Kaiser Permanente for many years. And it's like doctors are out of a room on average two to four minutes faster when they employ empathy. So it's not just like, hey, it's touchy feely and we should do it. There are actual real efficiency reasons to employ some of these skills to connect with people. Um, and to, you know, the productivity goes up there. Um, they stick, you know, we're not spending as much money on turnover. Like there are real reasons to work with care and empathy in the, in the workspace, but I don't see it happening really. I mean, I'm, you know, it doesn't, it's, and it's, I'm a poster child. I am not necessarily the, the most natural empathetic person, um, in some ways, but it, I've, I I had to learn it and it can be learned and it can be employed and it, it can really make a difference. And, um, and I think that's why I probably said yes, because I just feel like people need, people just need it. They just need it. I don't know what else to say. They really yeah, just need it. And else. leaders need to hear that it's, that there's a different way of doing things and that's okay. And it's okay for them to not always know either, you know, I'm honored by your intuition. I'm yeah, glad that you own it. Too. I'm very glad that you own it. A lot of people wouldn't, um, you know, they would, they would shy away from that. That's amazing. Um, and it's, uh, in my biased opinion, it's spot on. Um, one of my family therapists, um, when I was going through my first divorce, um, learned a lot of hard lessons, um, through that lessons. I don't want to learn, but lessons that I'm grateful for. And, uh, he gave us this quiz. Um, I don't remember all of the levels. I remember there was four and, I had the most unique score he's ever seen um, mm -hmm. because you're supposed to have a predominant one and then you're supposed to have a secondary one. And my predominant was a 100% score. He had never seen that. Um, and my 100% was healer. That's mm -hmm. what I gravitated towards on every question, um, like easily. Um, yeah. What was really strange for him, but not for me, because I tend to do this on most Myers-Briggs, DISC, et cetera. I, I, it's just who I am. Um, my other three scores were all equal. Um, and so the, uh, I'm a very self-aware and self-assured individual, um, as well, both scored. Those were my three, two of my top three traits on the strengths finder 2.0. If you've ever taken that, if you haven't, it's amazing. I took it a long time ago and I can't, ah. I, because I take a lot of those tests because right. a lot of my people I consult with will ask me to. Right. But I, I am an ENTJ. I'll tell you that, which okay. is, I think people can sometimes be, well, if you know me, you're not surprised, but some people no. can be surprised by that. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, no, no. Um, and, you know, we all have our human side too, um, you know, our, our uh, survival mode. 
Um, you know, there's, there's a lot mm-hmm. to that, but back to your, your intuition factor. Um, you know, there's, oh, there's a lot of, uh, I have a lot of personal background with growing companies and implementing that, that healing nature in my companies, um, mm-hmm. you know, and seeing how it impacts what we do, how it impacts my team, how it impacts my life, um, you know, and the way I feel and, and, uh, feel very self-assured, um, with the reality that you're right. Mm-hmm. Your theory is very, very on point. Um, do you know what percentage of businesses fail within 10 years? Have you ever heard that stat? I, I'm sure it's high and growing with is with the side hustle culture that we're involved mm. with as well. It's true. That might affect the growth on it. Um, it's 96%. Wow. We celebrate mm. a worldwide economy that has been one of the best economies in the world. I also love that you are very particular about how you use hyperbole. That also means a lot to me. You were close to saying ever you cut yourself off and you <laughs> and you went towards a healthier word in a society that throws it in our face so often that it's very difficult not to, yeah. to fall in um, and think and feel that way. So this is a lot about your wisdom and leadership. Um, yeah, 96%. And I look at that and I just think, how can we celebrate as a world or as a country with a 4% success rate, yeah. um, you know, that would not be acceptable in any school in the nation. Um, and yet for business owners, you know, for whatever reason, doesn't matter why, what matters to me is how do we fix the formulas? You know, yeah. what are the formulas that we should be following? Because it is a math equation at the end of the day. Um, there are, you put certain things together, you put happiness and joy together, you get a certain uh, outcome. Um, you know, you put guilt and shame together, you get a certain outcome. Um, you know, you mix, uh, hope, um, you know, with, uh, with, uh, subordination or, or in slavery and you get a certain outcome. There's a, there's a reaction that will occur, um, in those situations and those equations that is not always predictable. Um, and depending on the level, right, the amount of each, uh, it, determines what type of outcome. And I'm not saying people are pre-programmed, but there's a certain predictability to the experience sure, of, sure. of how you walk up to people, how you approach people, et cetera. Um, seven of my eight startups that are more than 10 years old are in business today. That's an 87% track record. Yeah. Some of that, it's not statistics. I need 800, you know, 8,000 before that really matters. I'm also very selective about who I work with, right? So there are some variables, yeah. but I know... I know how to pick my winners too. A lot of it has to do with making sure that I pick the winners. Um, yeah. And it's actually quite, it's quite dependable. Um, you know, that particular formula. Um, that said, I do, I do have a podcast. I'd love to have you on um, and get your voice out there. Um, there's two questions I want to go towards. I know we're running out of time. Um, you said what I meant to do. My next question for you is why do you care? Why do I care? You mentioned the externals, right? Of, of how this helps people, what it can do for society, et cetera. So more pointedly, why do you, Krista, and is it Gano or Gano? Gano, yeah. Krista Gano, why do you personally care? I, I don't, I mean, I, I think that actually, I mean, I, I, how do you not care? <laughs> no, that's a hard question. How do you not care? I think I'm an empath. So I, I think that when I see pain around me, I, I can't help but care because I feel it and it becomes, it becomes something that I, you know, I want to, I want to help and guide. And do you and know where that relieve. came from? Um, I mean, you could go back into a lot of things. I'm a firstborn child. I, you know, of a large, you know, mixed family with lots of, you know, with divorce and other things that put me into a place of, 
definitely needing to figure out what's ha- the energy that's happening in the room and <laughs> how to manipulate it, uh, mitigate it, help it along. Um, for sure. I mean, I think that there's a lot in that childhood space that that creates some of that. I mean, I came up as a an artist and as an actor, which I mean, if you're an actor, a human, the way we, you should be fascinated with the way we we function as humans and what and what our tells are and and what happens. I mean, that's the whole point of getting into a character and then launching that into storytelling. Um, so I, I mean, I also think, you know, I have, I, I'm, I'm, I, I am a, what I would call a woman of faith. And um, I was listening to somebody talk the other day about um, the difference between being the type of person who um, is trying to do good to secure your space in heaven versus the type of person who tries to make this space, uh, our earth, a place that is worthy of God to be proud of the work you've done or who you are here. And I definitely subscribe. Not that I, not that heaven doesn't sound great. I would love a, a you know, I'd love to jam up there, but, <laughs> but I mean, I think we're here, we're here for purpose. We're here to love one another, be kind, help and, and try to take the gifts that have been bestowed on us and make them better and there for the next people. And, and we've done, you know, we've, we've done some damage in the past few generations of like, partially because, you know, you don't know, you do, you do better when you know better, but we've done some damage and I, there's work to be done. And, um, it's, it's, it's rough. It's rough right now. And I think a lot of us have reached a place where we just don't know what to do next. And I guess I, I don't think I can make some massive difference necessarily, but if I could make any difference, I, it, for me, that that feels purposeful. So I don't know if that answers the question. I guess that's it's your yeah. answer. Yeah, I don't know how else so, to. I don't know how to function it. in the world. <laughs> I believe it does. Um, and and yeah, I love it. It's beautiful. Um, it's it was helpful to me. Um, if it was helpful to me, then I hope you accept it with grace that it was impactful. Thank you. Oh, good. Uh, Thank you. You know, and that's uh, I think it's also helpful when we learn not to pull that away from God. Yeah. You know what I, we do as we as we testify. Right. Yeah, oh. no, it's like it has to we have to at some point you got to do what you're called to. And and um, and there's a lot of need. So as for as many people who can be called to help, even in every teeny little small way possible, we should all be leaning and stepping in with bigger. Yeah, oh. I thought you said bigger, um, but you said yeah, bigger, bigger. Um, <laughs> like, there's another word coming. That's an adjective. <laughs> Oh wait, no, it's bigger. <laughs> bigger. <laughs> She's smart. She has big words. Uh, <laughs> so, um, well, great. Uh, Vision-wise, um, yeah. I mean, it, it's again, I what I hear is not necessarily what I understand, which is why I kind of repeat similar questions. Um, They're good. What's your vision? <laughs> what's your vision for? Um, you mentioned we have this mantle to, to possibly take on from God that we, you know, that people in this world need this, that we may have roles. Um, I personally thought of Jonah, um, you know, and Nineveh, um, and, and his, you know, moving away from it. I've done that many times in my life, um, and found myself also sometimes back into that role. Um, what's if, you know, what's your role? Do you know how, how big that is? Have you considered what, what your dedication level will be to this. Um, and I, hey, let me, let me frame that with, with this is where you're going to end up coaching me. Cause I know my answer and I, and I, <laughs> I'm going to frame it one way first. And that's, okay. 
One of my clients in the past um, is a local dentist and they wanted to expand their practice, have a couple of dentists underneath their belt, do their trips to Guatemala where they go and do free dentistry twice a year um, and take goods with them and have their, their impact in their local community. Beautiful, fantastic, lovely vision. I have no right to challenge that. Um, no right to say you should be the biggest visionary in the world, our biggest dentist in the world. No right to tell them to go franchise. No, it's not my vision. That's not what I do anymore. I used to be that guy. Um, and those are other stories for another day. But I did learn to follow um, my savior much more openly and realize that he only led through invitations. That was it. Never pressure, never coercion, only invitations. And I strive really hard to stay true to that. Um, so with visions, it doesn't matter if somebody's vision to me is... I want to be a stay-at-home mom, and I know that's what I'm supposed to do. That's beautiful and amazing, and the world shouldn't take that away from them. On the flip side, if somebody wants to be an Elon Musk or a, a Mark Zuckerberg, and they know that they're meant to bless billions of people, um, you know, and go out there, not saying those to do it, I don't know. I'm not close enough. I'm not God. Um, but it's my role to support the visionary on their vision, so long as the vision is ethical and virtuous, and I'm in line with it, that I'm here to support, facilitate, inspire um, on that. That requires that you define your vision, not me. What does your vision look like? So again, uh, this is where I probably have two different visions. Um, you have an I, extra five, 10 minutes? Yeah, I do. If you do. I do. I have an extra 15. Yeah, I'm good. Um, so I would say that I have I have two parts of my soul that are that are always have always been sort of battling within my within my career. And one is the creative, the person who has been working for literally uh, nine years to get a film made that is about a family who's moving on after the dad dies by suicide. And it's it's about the family and it's about faith and it's about some other things. And I've been working on this film for so long and I'm slated to direct it and it got it was supposed to be actually in production right now and it got pushed to the fall so that for me is an absolute passion project that I have said a lot have sacrificed a lot to continue to try to get that done and we're with great partners we have as a partner we've got me as a partner like we've got great partners wow um so that is one part of my soul purpose I believe in telling stories and, um, and then I've got some scripts I wrote as well. Uh, and then I've got my, my consulting, which I have to say, I love is this the doing. other part of your soul. Yes. Okay. This is another part of the soul that loves to get in and just help people and laugh with them and, and help them, you know, figure out how to communicate in ways that are more productive with and make their days better. Um, and, uh, you know, and and that's what we do with innovative improv solutions is we we've worked with every we've worked with a lot of fortune 500 companies but um we've it, that has always been sort of the part-time gig to support the art right and um <clears throat> and we've we've really relied on word of mouth and and we haven't you know we haven't gone out there to try to like build the business my business partner in that venture is an actor as a working actor and does very well. And so we've had, I've had these two sides of my brain that have functioned and that business that we started that business 16 years ago. So we've been in business doing that for a long time. And, um, and we're in, and, and we're different than other applied improv or companies is that we don't do trust building. Like there's, you know, you'll go to second. I'm, I used to be the executive director of the groundlings. I don't know if you know who they are. Um, they're like second city, but in Los Angeles. So about 
traditionally about half of Saturday Night Live, the cast and writers have come out of the groundlings. And that's what mm -hmm. I did before I went out on my own. And um, so I come from a space of laughter and comedy and um, helping artists. Wow. I have I have another very small niche company that I that I'm just now shutting down because I don't feel called to it anymore, which was to help artists um, move from understand the professional landscape and move from being hobbyists into um, professionals. And it's I guess what I'm I'm saying all of this to you. Thank you for being my coach and mentor in the moment is that I, I hit 50 and then I know I don't look it. And I look <laughs> 50. You. That's not fair. <laughs> and I, but I hit 50 and I had this and, and also the pandemic. And I had this moment where I realized I was, I was giving so much coaching and so much of my energy and wisdom to other people that I was not, I was not chasing my dream, which is this getting this film made. And so I started to shut some things down that I was doing because I, you know, I had somebody come up and go like, well, you've had so much, you've had so much experience in the entertainment industry. We all want, we all want you to coach us. And I was like, oh, okay, well, okay. And there was a lot of me just giving a lot out. Yeah. And when COVID hit, my writing partner and I wrote four scripts. Mm. <laughs> and it was one of those aha moments of like, oh, when I give so much of myself to others to coach them up, you may have had something similar happen with you as well. I'm not doing the thing that I feel like God put me on the planet for. Hmm. And I need to figure out a way to do, um, to just understand my own energy and what I'm able to do and give and make sure there's still left for my family and my faith and other things. And so I started shutting down working artist group, which was another side company I had. Um, it still exists in some capacity and I do some, a little bit of work through it, but I'm not really pushing it any longer. And innovative improv is something that I delight in. I love going and working in companies and having people who have really been struggling in some with some communication with one another, uh, like figure it out and be able to work together. And like that stuff excites me. So that energizes me and that tells me that I should be there. And then my film, which you know, well, hopefully we will be in production in October. That is something that not only lights me up, I feel like it's a soul's purpose and it, it it's a bucket list item at this point. Like it's got to just get done. We are so close. <laughs> like you got to just get it done. And so that's, that's sort of where I am right now in the career circles of trying to figure out and so when you ask vision, it's like, I don't quite know. I feel like I'm in a very, I'm in this time of contraction where I'm trying to figure out what is, what is that thing? What is the place to move for the next phase of my career, which is probably going to be um, the, the twilight of my career? Like, where is that impact and where do I want it to sit and how, and how, um, do I want that to look? I'm I'm still crafting. Remember I said I I've always crafted my life. I'm still crafting that. Yeah. Um, I know because of my background and because of what I do, I have a great comfortability and talent and ability to talk to massive amounts of people. Like I am not at all nervous to go and stand up in front of thousands of people and talk. Um, I, I get, it jazzes me. I, um, I help others pitch their projects, um, and, and learn how to pitch and connect with people. It's, you know, it's part of the communication work that we do through innovative improv. 
And then, I mean, the ultimate to me is obviously having a film that I'm not even there. I mean, I was there because I crafted it. But fourth I'm not, level of influence. Yeah, but I'm just, that. I'm watching it, you know, hopefully just change things, you know, that, I, that, I don't, that I'll never see or touch or feel. And personally, one-on-one, which is totally mm. badass and fine. Yeah. Are you familiar yeah. with the fourth level of influence? I don't think I know that. That's it. So that's the one, one-on-one is the first level. One to many is second level. Um, and uh, one to, oh, third level um, is that I, it's one to group. Then there's one to many, I believe. I think it's the fourth level where it's, you're not even there and you have that influence, right? That's the Jesus level. That's the Gandhi level. That's the the yeah. Buddha, the, the Mother Teresa level. That's, oh, that's, that's amazing. You know, and film can do that. Yeah. What, what's the, is there a goal right now as far as how many people y'all are um, anticipating see the film or do y'all start those goals during the production phase? We will start those goals. Well, yes and no. I mean, we start those goals during the distribution phase. What I didn't know before I started this journey with this story is that uh, suicide is the fifth leading cause of death for men in midlife. And I have two people in my life who just lost their husbands to suicide just in the last three months. Um, there's a friend of mine who has a, a neighbor who has lost five friends to suicide in the last two years. And so it's not getting better. It is something and it, no one will talk about it. And, um, and moreover, there are not, and this film talks about the family that's left behind. It's, it starts a year after the, the, the event. And so it's really about the waves and the ripples of, of the grief and the change. And that happens once um we the the tagline is is it's what happens when the condolences stop but life doesn't and um and just the very unique loss and uh and grief journey of someone who's a suicide survivor is very different and there's no films talking about it they they we want to like hang out in the moroseness of the decision and of the way and of the you know the that piece of it we don't really want to we haven't as of yet sat with the family which are mostly quite honestly women very often many women and children who have to heal from this loss in a very unique way so it is it is really meant again that space i believe that we learn and and accept and love and grow through laughter is very much a piece of this puzzle yeah Awesome. There you go. I just pitched okay. you on my movie. I didn't mean to, uh, but there oh, you I love it though. I'm happy that you did. Um, what you've authentically opened um, on this call is a, a big part of what I, I believe growing visionaries would benefit tremendously from hearing. Um, this uh, photo right here, um, yeah. this boy from Akron, Ohio wanted to make the NBA. Um, he didn't know he'd go on to break the scoring record um, for the NBA. Um, and become the LeBron James that everybody knows. Um, and uh, his vision elevated over time. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of us have that. A lot of us who go the route of visionary have that opportunity, right? To, to get to the next mountain, see our field of view ahead. I remember my first time uh, making it to the top of a mountain for our SaaS company, um, a bootstrapped SaaS company that was so hard to build. And we got to the top and it was like that scene in Homeward Bound with the dogs and the cat and they climb the mountain. And they're excited to see yeah. home and they see a mountain range and they're like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it felt like. We, yeah. we saw, I saw the Rocky Mountains and I was like, uh-uh, 
nope, nope. <laughs> uh, I'm going to set up shop on the other side of this mountain, lick my wounds, uh, enjoy life here, maybe someday. But I, my job is to help entrepreneurs get to that next. Well, since then, I've restarted my journey a couple of times, but I remember that feeling in my early 20s of, uh-uh, like that's, I'm not ready for that. Um, so yeah, anyway. and I think it's really important to let leader and let, listen, I mean, you sort of go like, I'm going to be a leader. And there's this idea that you like, I've got to be perfect. I've got to make mistakes. I've got to do this. I've got, and I know a lot of leader, great leaders don't have that, but new leaders especially do. And there's a lot of pressure, especially if you're a woman too, um, okay. or a person of color or somebody who feels like I've got this mantle on my shoulders of being the one for others. And, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, I just, my hope, at some point is just to look at all of them. I know there's a lot of great voices out in the world, but we all connect to different coaches or different voices or different things for, you know, in different ways. And it's why I always tell people, I'm like, listen, if I, what I say, like, I've seen people, like I've said something to them 20 times and then they'll go to a talk and someone will say the same thing in the exact same words. And they come in and they go, this is amazing stuff, man. That was a really amazing stuff. And I could choose yes. to be like, I've told you that 10 times. Right. Or I could say, someone spoke to you. Right. Look at that. I learned this through therapy with my, my first wife, um, that, you know, <gasps> it's what I, said. <laughs> I learned but, to appreciate it. But I do think there's okay. a space for us all to get out of our own ways and just go like, what, you know, what was the goal? The goal was that they learned it. And that's then, right. That's exactly right. Oh, mm. oh, it's beautiful. So <laughs> we, um, all right. Yeah. We, We've got, uh, I'd love to have a follow-up conversation, uh, mm -hmm. Chris, especially with what I've learned about your vision and brand. Um, I'd like for you to meet my business partner at some point. Um, mm -hmm. This is Dean Forbes. He is my business partner at First Class Business. We joined forces about two months ago. Um, we've awesome. been uh, friends for about two years. And uh, Dr. Todd Snyder is one of my investors. He used to be my 50-50 partner. Now he's a silent investor. Um, he's one of the best psychotherapists uh, entrepreneur coaches in the world. Um, and I am very humbled that he brought me on, um, all of his clients besides me make $200,000 a month take home. Um, I was the exception to the rule by far. Um, I will say that. And, uh, we've, we've grown quite an amazing, uh, system for helping people with scaling their visions out. Um, and I don't, I don't want to make the presumption or, or allude to the fact that we're, ready to do that for you. We'd have to have a conversation about what that could look like. But what I do see is innovative improv solutions potentially being a, a phenomenal solution for our clients as well. Um, as we scale and grow, we plan on scaling to where we have over a hundred clients, business clients coming on per month. Um, and I'm hoping to do that within a few quarters time from now, we've been building our prototypes out, gearing up for it. Um, as I bring on people like, uh, like Dean, who have corporate background, and as my gray hairs start to grow in, uh, I let start grow, to let him grow. Let him grow to the corporate <laughs> environment. Yeah. I've always been the young entrepreneur. Stay away. You don't have a degree. Um, we don't trust you. You're going to inspire everybody to leave. Um, you know. And I was a very mag. I was a very polarizing leader um, because I wasn't leading. I was mm. just doing what I felt was right yeah. um, and yeah. kind of ignoring. Um, you know, not 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 with a lack of empathy, but I'm a protector. And so yeah. when I see a, an environment that's manipulating individuals, I'm not a very, I wasn't very tactful or diplomatic about my approach to resolving the issue. 
um, which gets the little bold fish eaten outside of the school of fish rather than, yeah. um, you know, learning to, to grow um, in, a, in a safe zone, learn to be diplomatic and learn to have an influence that's far larger when you're not so hasty about yeah. how you do things. So I've also done some exercises with, with people who lead based on the, the theories you've talked about that I'll never forget. Um, and then I, I really loved how it was facilitated and we learned so much about each other through these processes. Yeah. So there's a massive need in many levels for what you do. There's a massive need for the virtual version of what you do. Yeah. Massive. Colossal. We're struggling. We're struggling for that with that. I mean, we're not, we're not, we're, I say joyfully struggling because we're not struggling like it's hard, but we're definitely trying to figure out what that how to translate that in different That's ways because it's new to all of you yeah and it's and it's hard it's so much of of it is um you know when we have people in a room live they can't do anything else it's so uh, it's like yep. so like off-putting to them. they walk aware. in and they're like they were like nope put everything away we're in a circle and we're staring in each other's eyeballs and... i've been working from home since 2009 yeah. and this is and and this is as great as this is we are constantly, we're fighting a lot of distraction um, in that space. So it, we're still trying to, I mean, we've done it varying levels of success and we're definitely in the game and doing it. Yeah. I mean, you, you lose some of the really great vibes that mm -hmm. come along with it, but you can, uh, yeah, you but you, and that's, it can get it. that's the key is that just so you know, again, I've been through this since 2009. Yeah. I've been working at home with work at home companies since 2009 and I have seen the cycles yeah. that occur and we got to go through the horrific cycles that all the COVID individuals yeah. aren't even at yet. There is a massive storm yeah. that is coming and it will create what I believe. I, I'm a very hopeful individual. I know a lot of people are, are in fear of what's going on, but what I don't see in today's world is I don't yeah. see People like Dracula cutting people's heads off, putting them on stakes outside of their their real estate property. Um, I don't see as much slavery taking place and as many concentration camps taking place throughout the world. I do see people of different diverse backgrounds starting to come together. Although again, COVID does now cause people to look down and not talk to each other in a weird way. Um, yeah. You know, there's all sorts of weirdness that's going on, and so there's some aspects that uh, overall, though, I have seen more light spread into this world oh, as yeah. I've looked at history and we, we have an awesome opportunity. Um, oh, totally. you know, We're as, in a clearing. Leaders. We're in a clearing and you got to clear out and let people, that's why I think I'm so passionate about letting people have the feels because mm. I always go the fastest way through is through. Like you can't like, you can't yeah. like the more we go like, no, no, I'm not going to feel that's that. Cool. Oh, I'm super, super happy to be here today. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's great. That the longer the process is going to take for us to innovate on the other side. Yeah. And so I want people to like stop being fearful. Like let's get into the muck with it. And I, you know, as as much as I've had you people, read that book, the which, five dysfunctions of a team. No. Oh, it's built on your principle, which is great. I mean, I'm, I know there's oh, lots sorry. of great builders, but it's one of my it's one of the two business books that I regret not reading sooner because I had it on my list and the, I didn't. The five dysfunctions. Uh, the five dysfunctions of a team by Patrick yeah. Lencioni, and everything starts with. Overcoming fear by learning to be learning to facilitate vulnerability. Um, yeah. And it's a book that's designed to be a movie because it's got 17 different personalities in it. Um, and it's all story. It's done through storytelling. Uh, the audible is way better because of that. You can hear all the voices. 
Oh, oh I'll do the audible. It's amazing. It's such a good quick read. But that's like, I am humbled every time when I work with people because I've had just for as many times as I've had people laugh so hard they've cried, um, which happens all the time. I've also had people cry, um, share what's not going right for them in the workplace right in front of their boss. Um, be honest enough to say, hey, Linda, your vibe that you won't let me talk about my weekend really shuts me down um, and then walk through it. And I've even had people who have set, who have thrown up in a class because it was just made them so nervous to be that vulnerable. But I take all of that as cool. like, I am super honored because that means that we yeah. were safe enough to walk through something that probably that person never walked through in a workspace before. And that made that place better. You're cutting so, the acres. I love it. So I'm ha it's like, I'm, and I'm never scared of it. In fact, I, I've always had people go like, give Krista the tough ones because I am like, let's, let's sit down and like work it out and figure out what's going on and, and, and what you're scared of and how we can step in. Um, wow. So I, I don't know. That's, that's definitely, I will definitely listen to that, that book. That, well, thank you for all the time you've given me. I yeah. went over uh, my time too. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just soaking this in. Oh, <laughs> I'm soaking in the moment. So, well, I, I have no idea what this what this at all looks like. Move like for us to chat and move forward. But I want you to know, I am super. I am oh because I'm in a rebuilding phase of what I think is next for me in many ways. I'm super open to like exploring and figuring out how. Can you meet how tomorrow? Can, can I meet to know? I don't think I can. When can um, you prioritize this? You're and I, I, it sounds like I'm buttering you up, but you know how valuable you are, right? You do know that. I have learned the skill of saying thank you. And Good. even though confidence I don't... and cockiness are completely different, one's a vice, one's a virtue. And you Steve, hope to deserve to be confident in what you do. It is so, I am con you know, I am confident in what I do now, whether I can really gracefully on the inside take some the sum of that and really hear it, probably not. Um, but I have Krista, learned I've worked with thousands and thousands of business owners and, and, and business executives and done trainings. I've dedicated my, my short life to that reality. And I've been studying people since I was little people asked where I learned how to sell. It took me a while to figure that out too. become self-aware enough to know that the first time I sold, I was three years old. My parents were fighting in the bedroom, screaming at the top of their lungs. I ran through the bathroom, through the closet, jumped across the bed, pushed my parents apart and said, stop fighting. Mm. And I could have easily uh, not had a great outcome with that experience with an alcoholic father. Mm. Um, and I'm very fortunate um, that it worked, um, mm. you know, and that's my spirit. That's what I do. I have no fear of, of most conflict. Um, and going in between and and uh, being a mediator or moving things forward. The amount of people um, that I have trained with, trained under, et cetera, you have an incredible gift. It is very easy to see. Um, your strengths will come with fantastic weaknesses. I love Dr. Peter Drucker's words on that. He says, people with tremendous strengths always, this is the one hyperbole I like, always come with incredible weakness. Um, you know, that's there and that's okay. We, yeah. you have, if you want to work with somebody strong, you have to be willing to accept the weaknesses and it's in your best interest then to look at it together and say, how do we build defenses mm -hmm. around the weaknesses? Um, but you can have your cake, you can eat it too. I also believe that you can put the cake on a 
production line, um, a conveyor belt, and we could have more Richard Bransons in this world that can mm. produce their movie, that can run their company, that can perhaps find their time back to helping those actors, but also have that, that also be fed. There's an abundance yeah. that can exist for some of us in life. Not that we don't want it to happen for all, but because right. sometimes life in this life, fair is not completely measured out. Why? Because right. in my opinion, my, my very strong, bold, known opinion, it's about the eternal aspect, um, you know, and, and what's occurred here in relation to me wanting to be a full-time dad of four, not getting to. Now I see my kids every other weekend and get, you know, less than a third of their life with them. That was very hard to understand, yeah. but to appreciate and to know that that's okay. Like it's all going to work out. The entire equation is going to work out to serve our good. And I truly believe and know that. And that's what allows me to understand that, okay, it doesn't need to be fair right now. But that said, you happen to have um, some tremendous gifts. And I think it'd be really cool to explore um, if there is an opportunity to expand that in a bigger way sooner than later. Um, and so I'd invite you to see more. Thank you for your time, Krista. Yeah, thank you. I'll talk right. to you later. All right. Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. We optimize them as the months go by. This is going to get more and more fun. Um, we'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you for, uh, for giving us your time and attention. And have an excellent time building out your vision and becoming a vision pro yourself. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.